God, your good and your love endures forever. And we do want you. We, we are seeking you. And we're seeking your leadership in our lives and in the life of this church and in our communities. And so today, would you show us, would you speak to us, would you help us to hear the word of the Lord? What is your word to us, to each of us? What is your word or words to us collectively as a, as a church? Pray that you would reveal that to us today, that you would have it stir in our hearts and that life and, and fruit would flow, would be produced from your word in us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. We are, we are at a unique point of convergence this Sunday because we are finishing up the Fast Forward series that we did in December and leading up to Christmas and Christmas time. We're going to have the last one of those, and we're also kicking off the next sermon series that is from the book of Acts. And this sermon series um, is, is a continuation of what we've, we've done the last couple of years. So in the summer of 2020, we did the first seven chapters of Acts called With Wonder, and then in the spring of 2021, we picked up from where we had left off in 2020, and we bounced around a little bit because there's a section of Acts that goes back and forth from the telling of the story of Peter and then telling the story of Saul who became Paul. And so we followed Peter and a little bit of Philip, and we followed what was happening in Acts in 2021, and now we're going to go back and we're going to find Saul, Paul. But I've pulled out one passage uh, for us to get kicked off with for, for a number of reasons. Um, it's been pointed out to me, and this, this is true of me, I think others have resonated with this, that especially maybe if you're a Bible reader or you've been around church enough to, to have a lot of the Bible stories or the scripture come to you, um, you will find that there are certain passages, certain phrases, certain verses, certain stories, or certain characters that lift that there's some reason that those are the ones that you keep coming back to or those are the ones that when you hear them or read them, they, they resonate most deeply with you. And there's kind of like you get your, your biblical DNA. God gives specific passages that are especially important for you and the call he has for you or what he wants to, you to know about your relationship with him. So that, that has been true of me. I think that could also be true of different churches and ministries. And if I were going to pick uh, what are the passages that are most significant to celebrate, there's probably a handful of them, but there's, there's about three, three or maybe four that come to mind right away. And the first one that comes to mind right away, and this isn't one that I would have thought on my own, but I just started to pay attention to when it was taught from up front, is, is the story of the Good Samaritan. So I believe I've taught on the Good Samaritan three times since I've been here. Judd, I know, has taught on it at least once. We have had two guest speakers who, when they were told they could speak on whatever they want, they picked the Good Samaritan. So I'm not going to take this morning to unpack why that might, might be about, but the, 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 the reaching out, the seeking out the stranger, the doing something even when it's, it's costly, there, there's just, I think there's a lot in that, and that we should keep going back to the Good Samaritan story. Another one, and this I would say with less confidence, um, but is, is one that really resonated as we were going toward the 20th anniversary of this church, 
has to do with in Exodus when, when Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, then we don't want to go. Like, we need your presence. We want to follow your presence. We want you to be with us in whatever you're calling us to and whatever we're going to do, we want your presence. So out of Exodus, that would be another, another one. The third one that I would say with a lot of confidence is the passage that I taught on my very first Sunday before they had a vote on whether I would be the pastor or not, and, but they first had to... I, I, gave, I did a sermon on, on a particular passage, and that's actually a passage that we're going to um, look at in three weeks. That's part of this, this series, so I'll talk about that one later. And if there was a fourth, I don't know if this is more just true of me, but I think it's true of, of, of our church it would be the passage that we're going to look at right now. So two of these passages for me that I feel like really resonate when I think about celebrate and, and its calling or its identity, um, two of the passages are coming out of the book of Acts. So we're going to read now a little, just this little story out of Acts, starting with Acts 12, verse 25. It says, When Barnabas and Paul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, first thing I want to note is out of verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and then it lists five of the leaders of that church. We're going to look at that church in a few weeks. Antioch, of all the churches in the, in the Bible, is, is one of the sterling examples. That was the place from which they launched all sorts of missionary work. That was the place which, just from this one verse, you can pick up on some things. There were teachers and prophets, because we know about Antioch that they were faithful to the word of God. You needed teachers for that. They also operated in the supernatural. That gets at things in, in the prophetic world. They were multicultural, is what we would say now, even multiracial. You could see in the, the different people, one of them, they're saying they have black skin, called Niger. They have black skin. They're definitely, they wouldn't use that terminology back then, but they're definitely Jews and Gentiles among them. This is a mixed people. This is a people that don't normally gather together, but in Antioch, they were able to overcome all kinds of differences and come together. Antioch was an incredible church. And so we will talk about that a little bit more later, but I want to talk about some of the characteristics, at least of their leadership, that we find in this passage so verse 25 says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now, what is their mission? So these two people finished their mission. These are two of the leaders of the Antioch church. Back in chapter 11, verses 27 through 30, we find, that's where we hear where their mission is. It got interrupted because they started talking, uh, telling a story about Peter in the book of Acts. But here's what their mission is. Verse 27, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. 
The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They, this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So there's a forecast that there's going to be some bad economic times coming. There's going to be some, it's not going to be good. There's going to be famine over the entire world, which would include Antioch, Roman world. That's going to include Antioch. It's going to have some rough times. So Antioch, church, hearing, it's going to be rough. It's going to be worse for our financial situation. That's what's coming. They decide to give extra. Kind of the opposite of the spirit that most of us would have. We would have the idea like, oh, it's going to get tough financially. I'm going to have to hang on tighter. Their decision is we're going to have to give extra, not even just to provide for the needs right around them. They're already doing that. We're going to give extra to send it to a whole different region, a whole different part of the world. Where, where the, the church was founded, Jerusalem and Judea, we're going to send the money back there. And so Paul and Saul, uh, Saul and Barnabas' mission was to take this, this huge offering they took. If it's, They're going to help the believers in Judea. That's not even the city. That is just like a whole region. We're going to take this offering and we're going to bring it to the leadership there and then they can do with it what they want. Now, let me say about about our church, what we, what we do is we seek to give 10% of what comes in out to, to ministry that's beyond us, to like other ministries. Some of it goes to buying food for the food pantry, but it gets, gets outside of us. Around 10% of what's coming in, we want to go that. When, when other gifts are coming in, we want to that people give money and say, hey, we want this to go to the food pantry, then we aren't, we do, we're trying not to count that. That would go above and beyond. So in November this year, the elder board had, had some decisions to make. We're trying to guesstimate where do we think we're going to be about at in terms of how much is coming in, and then what do we want to give away. We've, we, at the very beginning of the year, we gave the majority of the money that we'd be giving away away. It's the, kind of the first fruits principle. We don't wait to see how the year is going. We're just going to start giving it away. So we did that at the very beginning of the year, but now we've still got ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 to try to get to our, our kind of number that we're look, working for. And in the course of the meeting, it was decided, you know what, let's not just give that. Let's give above and beyond that. We thought maybe just because we were looking at some different ministries, you know, we'd want to give a little bit more it went to thousands of dollars beyond that for the Pleasantville Youth Initiative, more money uh, for Uganda, more money for the well than what we had already given earlier uh, in the year. Um, one of the people that goes here that's working on college campus ministries, giving to support them. I don't know. There were several things. And we just, it was just certain, we're going to give more than that. Like, I don't know what it was. I think five, ten thousand dollars I don't, I haven't seen our numbers yet. I'm thinking... I know we gave at least $90,000 away to get outside of Celebrate Church. I think it was more than 100000 but I don't know that for sure. So safe 90000 Anyway, they, we made that decision on Tuesday night. On Wednesday, the office is usually closed on Wednesday afternoons because we have several staff who are doing the food pantry on Wednesdays uh, afternoons. So we, we keep the office usually closed I had had a meeting in here, so I left the door open, and in the middle of my meeting, uh, somebody came in, and I heard him, and I quick go up, and it's a person I don't know, a person who doesn't go here, who just writes out a check for $2,500 for our food pantry, gives it to me. The next day, 
Also, by the way, normally we, the offering gets tabulated, and I see what came through for that, um, that week on, on Tuesday, but I, it hadn't come through. The person wasn't in Tuesday, so they put it together on Wednesday, and it was the second highest offering we had in the entire year, followed the next week by the highest offering we had in the entire year. One of our staff persons would say, that's how Christianity works. You give more, and all of a sudden, you get more back. Now, I've experienced that often in, in my life. I've watched it, and people have reported it, how that happens in their life. You give, and then you give more, and then somehow you're trying to give, and somehow God gives back. Now, he gives back in all sorts of different ways, and in his timing, but it's, he's pretty faithful and reliable in that. So anyway, we don't talk about Money, I was talking to the elders. I don't feel like I've talked about giving to celebrate church in months and months, usually once a year um, when, it's, when we're reporting the budget, which we'll do in a few weeks. I'll bring it up, or when it just hits with what we're teaching from the Word of God. But I just say, if you don't give, consider giving. Whether it's here or somewhere else, just get, it's, it's part of the heart of God. It's part of what makes a church flourish is when we're generous, especially People that would say, like, we're going to give first. We're going to give even, instead of looking out for our own interests, we're going to give away first. It's, it's quite, quite something. So that is one of the characteristics that I wanted to mention now of this leadership team. Now, verse 2 says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This just seems like a strange thing. Like, the leadership team gets together to fast together and worship. That's odd. Like, well, I've done a whole sermon series about how we don't, we don't fast as people. And yet this, or, or when we fast, we think we have to keep it a secret. But this group is like, we need to fast. We need to do it together because we're seeking the Lord. And they're seeking the Lord, and they're just like offering themselves to him and worshiping him and seeking him. And in this place of like seeking him, of denying themselves for a period and just focusing on him, praising him, probably praying to him, all of that, God speaks. God is clear. God gives direction. That's one of the reasons that people fast, that we fast. We want your direction, Lord. We have a big decision to make. Or we, we just want to know what you want from us and what you want for us. And we're wanting it... We're trying to make that decision hard enough to make a decision on my own. They're trying to do it in a, as a group, so we're going to fast together. So that is another thing that they're doing. And then in verse 3, it says, So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So again, they're praying and they're, they're fasting. Worship, prayer, fasting, it goes together. Now I want to point out what I see in here is something that Jesus called like acts of righteousness. So Jill, if you can bring up that slide. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about these acts of righteousness. And he says when you do these, he gives three specific examples. It's probably any acts of righteousness. When you do these things, don't do them to be seen by people. Now here are the three that he brings up, if you can bring those. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. Don't do it so that other people notice to try to get attention so you look impressive. He just says, when you do those things, like, do it in secret. And then God, who sees what's done in secret, he'll reward you. Now, sometimes what we do with this, 
with Jesus' words there is we say, well, you know what? If, I, if I'm going to do it and people are going to see me or if I'm going to do it, and be, then, then I'm just better off just not even doing it. Like we take this almost as an encouragement like, well, you don't fast because you only do that in secret and nobody's encouraged to fast. But really, we're in, we need to pay attention to Jesus' words about the motivation of our heart and how, well, how much we care about other people's opinions, we need to pay attention to that when we're doing these things. But if we're not doing those things, then probably what we need to pay more attention to is like, we're encouraged to, to do them. They're good for us. The, God rewards us when we do it. Will he reward us immediately or will he reward us eternally in the afterlife? Yeah. Maybe both. Maybe one or maybe the other. How will he reward us exactly? That's up to him. But he says it is good. It will be good for you if you do these things. The church in Antioch was doing them. And I, I celebrate how our church is doing it. So I talked to you about, about the giving. Um, I, how about our prayer? We, we keep track of prayer. There are 140 over 140 people in 2021 that we know of that kind of signed in or that we kept track of at the various prayer gatherings that were part of prayer or prayer and worship things. Whether it was the prayer room, whether it was gathering in here, whether it was the upper room, 700 hours of prayer at least happened here besides just Sunday mornings. And I celebrate that. And churches usually keep track of attendance on Sunday morning worship and money. That's what's important. You keep track of what's important. So we have tried to keep track of prayer to say it's important. How much are we praying? And so during, you can sign up online at our website or you can come in whenever you want. And if that prayer room is filled, then we'll have, there's other spots in, in the building that you could go pray. Um, there's upper room nights. There's ways to pray. Our, our hope and goal is that, that we have this building become more and more accessible where it's comfortable for people to just come in and pray when they're prompted to pray. Of course, we want people to pray on their own in the place, all over the place. But there's something about coming here together to pray. The church in Antioch came together. Their leadership team came together to pray, and their leadership team even came together to fast. And so that gets to the fast forward uh, part. So, fast forward in 2022. This is the initiative. If you can show me the first thing, there is a, we'll send the email link, I believe. Jenny, will you be able to get it on the website too or not? I'm not sure. She's somewhere. Yes, so you could go to our website or there will be an email link um, and you could sign up. So the, a screen will come up and you could just sign up your name. Don't, don't sign up your name. Sign up a fake name. Fake names are good. Just sign up a fake name, but what we'll see is, oh, somebody's fasting that day. Now, if somebody's already there, still sign up. If there's 10 people already there, but that's the day you want to fast, sign up. But if you don't know which day to fast and nobody's signed up, go ahead and do it. Again, you could fast one meal, but just we're going to try to fast. The second thing is, if you fast, remember, I've been encouraging that we try to learn to fast, and the best way to do that might be to do it like once a week for a period of time. So you could just post something. It was hard. It was good. This is an answer to prayer. Post something. So here's what it'll look like when you come up on the screen. It might be kind of hard to see, but there will be the date. So you can find the date that you've got. 
and then you can put, there's a spot where you can hit a uh, plus, and then you could type in your name. So you see Les Hangry is already signed up. Um, and so now after that, you could also add, you could come back and add it so everyone can see it. Whether you're fasting or not, you could see what people have, have typed, and you can sign up your name. That's what we're going to encourage you to do. Um, now, not everyone can fast from food. I've, t- I've talked to several people, diabetes, different, different things. They can't, they can't fast from food. That's all right. You could still pray, and you could still consider denying yourself something that you have usually do every single day, whether it's something like sugar or caffeine for a day or whether it's um, you know, your phone or being on social media for a day. There's different things that you can do. But I just wonder what would happen if a church, a group of people in a church, say, we're going to fast. The leadership team at our church in uh, I think November or December, I think it was November, end of November, most of them fasted the last time we got together. And that's when we picked who would be on the elder board. That was part of it. We're seeking the Lord. That's what it says to do. And then he does all. So what did he do here? Because he does incredible things when we seek him, when we just seek him with our heart. Here's what he did here. Verses 4 and 5, they sent them off. The two of them, that's Saul and Barnabas, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They went to a place that nobody had went and talked about Jesus before. How, how do you go to people that don't, they have multiple gods, they have the Roman Empire, they are not, they're not thinking about Jesus. How do you break in there? But what happens is Saul and Barnabas break in in all sorts of spots. Up until this point, which is probably 10, 15, 20 years, the amount Christianity was spreading, but it was very contained. And it was the most likely people a lot of times. That's who it was spreading on. But as a group of leaders worshipped, prayed, fasted, said, God, what do you want? Then they were sent, and they were sent with the power of the Holy Spirit, and the most unlikely people came to the Lord. The, most, the people that nobody thought could be reached came to the Lord. That's what happened out of this. So now, let me tell you one other reason why I started here, rather than what we're going to talk about the first three weeks, is kind of Saul's journey up to this Antioch church. And then we're going to talk from there about Saul and Barnabas and what happened when they got sent. That's what we're going to do over the next couple months. But at the beginning of the year, the elder board was um, talking about, is it time to like update our policies? To look at like it's been a long time, you know, super exciting. Everybody's like, yeah, can we do more policy? Can we do lots of, can we have lots of, no, I'm just kidding. We hate policy stuff. Well, maybe there are some that do like it. But in the midst of that, as we were talking about what's best to do, as we brought in a couple different people to talk to us about what would good governance look like for a church, we decided that before we got there, because also we're deciding whether or not, this is early in the year, we should stay in our denomination. So there's a lot on our plate to to sort out. It was decided, let's start with what is God calling Celebrate to do in this next season? We have had 20 years of ministry 
We have had sort of an interruption of normal ministry with the pandemic. What is God calling us to do in the next season of ministry? And so 30 people were invited to give input, like three words about what, what is celebrate, words or phrases about what would describe celebrate in the past, in the present, in the future. So if you think about that, that's like nine different answers from 30 different people. We bring all of that information in. We get together. We sort it out. There's all... It seems like, wow, all good things. But how do we get to, like, what, what helps us with something that this is our unique calling that we can hang on to? And over the course of three months and multiple meetings in big group, medium group, small group, and back again, back and forth again, this is what we came up with. This was the phrase that we felt like helped answer the question, what is God calling Celebrate Church to in the next season? If you can bring that up, it's gathering to go with the presence of Jesus. Gathering to go with the presence of Jesus. We had lots and lots of words. There are four key words here. Gathering, go, presence, and Jesus. And that is all right here. They are gathering. They're gathering for the presence of Jesus, to seek the presence of Jesus, to hear from the presence of Jesus. They're gathering. That is what the leadership team is doing. And in that kind of gathering, if the Spirit comes in, Jesus said the Spirit was given so that you will be my witnesses and testify to him in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the world. We, we gather together to receive the Spirit, to wait for the Spirit, to grow in the Spirit, so then we can go in the power of the Spirit and proclaim the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 said, in my former book, Theophilus, in my book of Luke about Jesus, I, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do right up to the time of his ascension. That was Jesus' beginning. But he was going to continue to do things through the instructions of the Holy Spirit. We would bring the presence of Jesus. By his spirit, we would be Jesus' presence. Now, often in the past, what's been difficult, if a church is doing fairly well, and fairly, it's fairly strong and it's fairly stable, what's difficult is, people, is to get to the church to see, we got to go. Like, we got to be the church outside these walls. we got to get out. we got to go reach people. We, gotta bring, we don't just talk about Jesus only when we come here. We go out. We don't leave Jesus just for the few staff people, maybe a few leaders. We all are supposed to go. We got to go. But when it's going well, and I like my church, and I like the people at my church, and, you know, I don't like this, and we get focused on what we like or we don't like or what we need, what we don't, and it turns very inward. That is the typical church. That's what we're always in danger of, is being inward. That's what we're still in danger of, is not going. But increasingly, and this was true even before the pandemic hit, I think this, the pandemic doesn't help this. What's difficult also is to say, we need to gather. Like, we need to gather. It used to be when you were talking about what, they did the statistics, what's the average church attendance, they based that on people that came to church three times a month. Now, when they talk about what's average church attendance, which has went way down, and they're basing it only on going once a month, because we just don't gather, much less gather beyond just coming to, to a church service on Sunday mornings. 
But if we are going to be filled with the presence of Jesus, we need to not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but we need to encourage one another all the more. And in Acts, they were getting together every single day. We need to find ways to gather together more than just a couple times a month on a Sunday morning. We need to gather because we need the presence of Jesus. And this, it may seem strange that we talk about prayer so much and give opportunities for prayer so much, but I'm telling you, people have come in over the years, over and over again, people have come in, sometimes at their hardest, darkest moments, visitation, so often people come into this place and they are hurting and they are searching and they say, I, there's something, there's peace, there's something. They don't know how to describe it if they don't uh, have language at church. And it, It is the presence of Jesus, which comes as a group of people will gather on a regular basis to pray and to seek him and to worship him. They also are touched by, by, so there's this intangible sense of God, invisible but tangible, I should say, invisible but tangible sense of God that people often experience here. And there's also the way people personally interact Because it's not just like we try to create the force and there's a spiritual thing and then people feels really, really good. The presence of God is is that. It's invisible. It's tangible. But it's also flesh and blood. It's God's spirit in us being warm and welcoming and kind and generous. That's it. And we gather so that we can grow in the presence of Jesus, grow in letting his spirit move through us. But we also gather because it's, bunch of people are never going to come here. They're never going to come here. The only way they will ever come here or a place like that or to Jesus is if we go out there to them. If we go, if you go, we gather to go in the presence of Jesus. And it is just not always convenient. So 6.45 this morning when I was checking the roads, about to head back, Justin Kingery pulls in. He pulls in with his snowblower to help Judd blow snow. Now, a lot of us will say, hey, Judd, if you ever need help blowing snow, you know, shoveling snow or something, you know, just call me. You know, as long as it's not too cold or there's a lot of snow or it's heavy snow. And, you know, I can be there at like 945 to help out. Justin just worked all night. And he showed up and he, I think... It's not an accident that on a Sunday where we say, this is what we're going to be about, and we're going to be about gathering to go, it was hard to gather. I don't think that was a coincidence. And yet people came. Pegden Hartog came to serve. The worship team, people came. Now, I am not throwing shade on you that aren't here right now, by the way. I'm glad people were safe. I'm glad if you weren't feeling well, you didn't bring it in here. I'm glad about that. We, it doesn't mean every time the church is doing something or open, we all need to do it. It doesn't mean that. Some people can't be here for funerals. But we have a team who, who can and does, and it's not, usually not convenient, but they come and they serve food for funerals. Not everybody can serve food at the food pantry, but some people do. But some people could bring food for the people that just had babies. Some people can bring food. Some people can come and pray. Some people, but the point is, it's not just only when it's convenient. We gather, we gather to meet with people. We gather to grow with people, not when it's just 
if it's, we wait for when it's convenient and comfortable, we're going to miss out on so much. But if we're willing to say, you know what? I am willing to gather so we can go. That is the key. I'll have the worship team come up, and I'll talk about them as I do, as they do. We pray in, before the service, and as we closed, uh, John Miles, the electric guitar player, he, he closed us. And I'm not going to remember exactly what he prayed. But I do remember him, him praying like, God, you are worth it. You are worth it. He's driving over from the unholy land of Pella. <laughs> and so he's getting out. That's like my second, second joke at your expense or your township's expense this morning, but only one was public. Um, and so it'd be really easy, just like, I'll sleep in. They can handle it with that. He said, I'm, I'm saying, I woke up and said, God, you are worth it. You are worth it for me to get up. You are worth it for me to drive over here. You are worth it to go through the cold. Well, what you've done for me, it compares in comparison, in comparison of anything I could do for you. You are worth it. Celebrate, church. Jesus is worth it for us to gather to go in his name, with his presence, for him, for a world he loves. It is worth it. It is worth it. Whatever we can give, pray, fast, befriend, reach out, it is worth it. He is worth it. That's our prayer, God. You are worth it. So help us in our weakness. We want to gather to grow by the power of your spirit in your presence in the name of Jesus. And we want to gather to go, to be your ambassadors, to be your hands and feet, to bring your love to a world that needs you. In Jesus' name, amen.